0: Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a listener supported program of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. There are a number of scriptures where the Christian is called upon to judge themselves, to take the log out of their own eyes. 1 Corinthians 11:31 says that if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged. But if we're going to judge ourselves we have to guard against some dangers. The first danger of judging ourselves we addressed in our last broadcast. Don't make the mistake of a proper judgment of yourself for the introspective exercise of rationalizing your own actions. A person can spend a lot of time at what looks like meaningful self-analysis, but it's an analysis to find some reason outside of themselves for their behavior. And such an investigation always leads, in one way or another, to blaming something else for your condition and leaving yourself as a victim. But Jesus didn't die for victims and in the place of your victimization. He died for your sins and in the place of your judgment. Now, here are two more things to watch out for when judging yourself, here, here's a second thing and a third thing to keep in mind when you go into the self analysis, and it's this. And it kind of builds off what we've just said here, but keep in mind that this self analysis is not a demand that you make upon yourself to live up to your expectations or the expectations of others. Keep in mind that this self analysis is not a demand that you make upon yourself to live up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. And third is, goes along with it. Consider that this self-judgment has to have a limit. It can't keep going on and on and on, or it will actually produce that exact result we've talked about. It will turn into a place in which you are simply measuring yourself by your own expectations or the expectations of others. It will result in you not progressing into obedience with Christ, but instead it will stop you from pursuing God's will because you can't live for your own honor and you can't live for the honor of others and live for the glory of God. You can't do it. They're at cross currents with one another. So I'm just saying, keep in mind, this is not an analysis to see where you've disappointed yourself. This is not an analysis to see where you've disappointed others' expectations. And Don't go into the self-analysis too long because that's exactly what we'll do. If you hang into this area too long of just judging yourself, eventually you'll just start doing it in your own flesh and by your own steam and by your own power, and that won't be helpful. You'll become bound to the approval of your own inner voice or the voices of others, and you are, by the way, unlike Jesus, a very harsh master. You'll demand from yourself what will give you glory. Others will demand for you what will make them feel good about themselves. So again when you go into the self judgment go with the holy spirit listen to the voice of the spirit and of the savior go knowing that he ultimately has declared that he will provide the final word and the final judgment and this is comforting because if you miss something I mean like you don't have to get too far down into it you don't have to get down with a fine tooth comb to try to comb out all these details if you miss something don't worry he says i'll find it out i'll make it known I'll reveal it to you even at the last day at the judgment seat. I'm not going to let anything impure or wrong or any wood, hay and stubble in your life come into my presence. I'll burn it away. Actually, here's what it says. Paul says he'll burn it away. He'll bring the light to things that are hidden in darkness. We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, and then each man will receive his each follower of Jesus Christ will receive his praise of God. So He's going to get rid of it, and then he's going to give you some commendation, some praise. He's gonna to come on, come and join me still. So we want to come in with as much as we can. I want as big a crown as I can hoist off my head to cast at his feet. I want to enrich my worship of him throughout eternity. I want to go into this judgment. The Bible says there's a lost coming before me if, I don't, if I'm not careful to judge myself, but there's a line to be drawn here. I'm not to take up some kind of fleshly analysis of myself believing that I'm the answer to and I'm the one who's going to hold myself into account. I go into this judgment knowing that Jesus is the one who stands before me as the judge. Actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 gives us this basic idea. There in chapter 3, verse 10, we're told that we are to build our lives on the foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ. And we're told that each one of us needs to take care of how we build that we're to make sure that we build that life not in the power of a self-life, but that we build it living out the grace of God's life within us. If you build in the power of your own self-life and according to your own demands, you'll just build up a life that's filled with wood, hay, and stubble, stuff that will burn away. But instead, if you live out your life on the foundation of the freedom that's brought to you through Jesus Christ and the grace that he brought you and responding to his life within you and letting him produce his will and his way within you as you yield and you submit to him. You'll produce deeds in your life and actions in your life and attitudes in your life that will go with you into eternity. Now, that kind of care and building upon that foundation of Christ seems to me to call for some self-analysis, for some judgment. But right after Paul directs us in this way, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, that he doesn't care whether people judge him and he doesn't even judge himself. He leaves the judgment to Christ. I don't think Paul is saying that he doesn't make a determination and he doesn't watch over and provide some self-analysis because, again, he's going to, just in a few chapters from this, in the same book, say, judge yourself lest you be not judged. And he's actually, in chapter 3, encouraged some, some kind of evaluation here. But... I think what Paul is saying is that our self-judgment must only go so far. It must not be a reflection that we feel we must answer to our own expectations or the expectations of others. Instead, it's us living in anticipation of Christ's judgment over the whole of our lives. It's us living before Him and letting Christ and the Spirit of Christ search us ourselves out. So here we're testing ourselves... To see if we're living for self or we're living for God. And we have to go into this with the Holy Spirit leading us. We should never go into this all by ourselves. We take the Spirit with us into this self-judgment because He'll always lead us to the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away our sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow. No other fount I'd know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So you go with the Holy Spirit. And as he shows you those areas where your attitudes and your actions are not aright and they're built out of your own flesh, he brings you before the provision of Jesus Christ to wash and cleanse you. But not only that, he brings you before the life of Jesus Christ where you can find power to live and have a different attitude altogether. Where you can have the mind of Christ instead of your own mind and your own response to these things. Having said all that, let's look at two attitudes that indicate wood, hay, and stubble of the self-life. We'll look at some others, I think, in the future, but let's just begin with two here. And the two attitudes are the attitude of contempt towards others and the attitude of resentment in this life. Contempt towards others and resentment in this life. Let's look at contempt first. I want you to recall that the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 stated that we should never refer to another individual as a fool or we should never save another individual, raka, which means worthless or idiot. Here's what it says in Matthew 5.22. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment, and whoever says to his brother raka shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, it's not the words here particularly that are the damaging thing or the dangerous thing. It's the attitude behind the words that are damaging. And the attitude is primarily an attitude of contempt towards the individual. We speak to them as though they don't matter. We speak of them as though they're worthless. We devalue them. We dismiss them as beneath us. The world does this all the time. When a person does something they find abhorrent, they don't even associate them with the human race. They say, well, that person's an animal. They're not even a human being. Actually, not true. That's an attitude of contempt that God actually finds to be quite awful and sinful and dangerous, an attitude to have. A.W. Tozer points out that just as God will not let our worship of Him be expressed through images, images that we place upon him or for him because by doing that we make him to be something less than he is. In the same way, God will not allow us to think of others as beneath us or worthless because it devalues them as persons who are made in his image, who are precious in his own eyes. And so that's what contempt does. We hold contempt before others because as we do it, to some extent what we do is we diminish what God sees of them and how God loves them and how God values them. Contempt, by the way, is usually found when someone has fallen from an honored place in our minds and our hearts. It it happens in marriage when a person's romantic notions come crashing down to reality. It happens in churches when some pastor or leader is placed in high regard and then for whatever reason they disappoint. But contempt is wrong. It kills relationships, and it brings a destructive force into our own hearts and our own lives. There's a secular psychologist by the name of Dr. John Gottman who does studies in relationships, and he's developed a way of studying and examining just the way that couples interact with one another on film. It doesn't matter what the interaction's about. By just watching their facial expressions, he's been able to develop a predictor almost beyond 90% of whether their relationship is going to last or not. And the primary predictor, there are four things, but the overwhelming predictor is the expressions, facial expressions of contempt. Relationship just can't go forward when there's contempt towards another individual. And here's what you have to understand about contempt. Contempt towards others, no matter their condition, no matter what they've done, no matter what the cause, is a revelation of your own pride in yourself. Contempt towards others is a revelation of your own pride in yourself. We undervalue others just so much as we overvalue ourselves. This attitude of contempt flourishes in religious settings and among religious people. It's where this pattern is easily developed. It's the pattern that really expresses our own scoring of our own self-righteousness. By the way, the contempt by which people in the political realm, for example, the way that the left is so contemptuous of anybody that doesn't hold to their political positions is a sign that their politics have become purely religious. It's their religion. And they have developed in it a sense of self-righteousness. Their political opinions of what is required in the world, to, this is on the left and right, has been fomented to the top And has come to the surface as their religious expressions. It would tell me that they're not living before God. They're living before themselves. That self-righteousness is an expression. That self-righteousness feeds this expression of contempt. But just so you know, before the political parties found this religion in their politics and this contempt of this religion, it was already found in the church. It was found in Christian settings. It was where individuals began to see that they had the more respectable theological position or they had the more respectable or higher moral ground than those around them. And as a result, they began to develop a sense of contempt towards everyone else. It was a... Taking a measure of your sacrifice compared to another person's sacrifice. Measuring your diligence compared to another's lack of diligence. Your carefulness in things and moral things compared to their lack of care. Your wisdom and your understanding and your searching out of the scripture compared to their lack of care and wisdom in searching out the scripture. And slowly and sometimes actually quite rapidly in floods a spirit of superiority. And out of that comes contempt for others. This has been the Bread of Life, a program of the International Evangelism and Discipleship Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can find links to our international work at breadoflifeboise.org. There, too, you can find information on the local mission of Bread of Life Fellowship Church and archives for these and other messages. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.